Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. It's been an underwhelming season so far for the Chicago Bulls, who've been in the headlines as much for trade speculation and injuries as winning basketball games this season. So on today's episode, I thought it would be a great idea to bring in Chicago Bulls insider KC Johnson, who joins me to break down what's next for Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, Lonzo Ball, and more. KC, you're in D.C. right now. How's everything going your way, brother? Everything's going well, Michael. Thanks for having me uh, out here for NBC Sports Chicago and uh, Bulls Wizards uh, tonight. Uh, so second half of the season, here we come. Let's go. Indeed, a battle of two titans, as they say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Casey, I, I got to tell you, man, it, with the Bulls this season, I, I thought they'd be a little bit better. Obviously, injuries, uh, namely to Lonzo Ball, have, have certainly hurt this team. But I wanted to start out with you, first and foremost, with the guy that I think has probably drawn the most headlines so far this year, whether it's with trade speculation, whether it's with um, his relationship with Billy Donovan, and, and that's Bulls guard Zach Levine. Um, you know, it seemed to me, Casey, that, uh, you know, ever since – Billy Donovan had benched him that game in Orlando earlier this year. Uh, you know, I heard they spoke and then things were better after that, that it seemed like that was a, a resolved situation. They've been using Zach Levine more. He looks healthier and he's playing better, but you're on the ground there every day and have great relationships within that organization. And I wanted to ask you, what is the dynamic, the relationship right now between Zach Levine and, and Billy Donovan? Because you see different reports once in a while popping up, even during a winning streak where it's not all kumbaya and, and sunshine and rainbows, which surprised me a little bit, given the uh, recent winning nature of the team. Yeah, I think I would answer that in a couple of ways. Um, probably the biggest being that, um, you know, Zach Levine is a very prideful person and a very uh confident competitor so that uh episode stung him deeply uh as you mentioned he and billy donovan did meet to talk about it and it was respectful in the sense that zach made his feelings known very clearly to billy donovan how much that stung him he felt that and as in, as he told us that night publicly um in his words you know a player of his stature is earned the right to kind of play through a bad shooting night and Billy had explained that it went beyond the missed shots and, you know, him not playing to the standard of play that, that Billy Donovan and his coaching staff are desiring. So they, but they both were not only privately strong willed about it, but publicly strong willed about it. I mean, they both explained themselves ad nauseum to us, but I'll just say that, you know, Zach doesn't forget things like that. That doesn't mean that he, you know, shows up every day angry at Billy Donovan or anything like that, but he had a high profile incident with the previous head coach and Jim Boylan, where he also was pulled from a game. 
that was actually in the first quarter uh, of a loss, uh, a home loss to Miami way back when. And, you know, those, those things sting Zach. He feels like he is being singled out a little bit. I can tell you that Billy Donovan and Zach Levine are two of the more professional people I've been around. Um, and they come to work every day trying to make the team better. So I think there's probably, uh, you know, days where I, I know their relationship is professional, uh, but I'll just say that, you know, Zach has never backed down from the fact that that incident stung him deeply. Um, but as you mentioned, he's playing a lot better. And I know that there's a, there's probably more, um, optimism and and confidence emanating from the bulls than probably what the national picture kind of has of this team. And we can get into that if you, if, if, as we move through this podcast. Oh, for sure. And I mean, look, certainly his name has come up a little bit in trade speculation. And I mean, I've certainly reported that there are plenty of teams that if he's put on the market, and again, I preface that with the word, if right, uh, he's not to this point, uh, but if he were to be put on the market, you know, the Knicks, the Lakers, uh, Dallas, Miami, uh, those teams are certainly monitoring whether he'll become available or not to try to upgrade their team. But, you know, what's interesting on that to me, Casey, and, and to executives I've talked to around the league, there would also be a little bit of a question regarding, in their eyes, the health, his own health with his knee and everything, because if, if the Bulls just sign this guy and then look to flip him that quickly. That almost raises your antenna a little bit. Uh, from your perspective, uh, what do you think the chances are of something happening with Zach Levine potentially regarding, you know, the trade deadline in a month? And and we'll get more into the rest of the team going forward. Yeah. I mean, before I get into the trade speculation, I would just address his health as, as this. Um Zach and the Bulls have made it pretty clear from the jump that that knee management plan was not about an unhealthy knee. The knee is healthy. It was literally just uh, an acclimation process because he had not played any five-on-five all offseason. He had not really done his normal offseason routine. And so it was a knee management plan um, to, you know, let him get his legs under him and, the numbers have borne that out. You already mentioned how he's playing better. I mean, his 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 splits in December compared to November are ridiculous. I mean, in December, he played like the two-time All-Star he has been. In November, he did not. And I also should point out that Zach, at many times, you know, he was held out of three back-to-backs. He played in one in that knee management plan. Bulls had a fairly unpre- unprecedented start to the schedule. Four sets of back-to-backs in their first 12 games. Um, and in, in all three of those instances, Zach would have played if he had been cleared by medical and training staff. He wanted to play. He understood it. He wasn't like fighting them, but he 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 his mindset he wants he wants to play every game. So uh, the knee is healthy. The numbers are healthier, and he just looks more like himself of late. You know, which is why you know you're probably going to have some trade speculation between now and Feb nine. Um, I would just say as of right now. You know, being around the team every day, having my antenna up, talking to people around the league, talking to people that I cover. I I still believe what Arturis Kardashovas has said multiple times publicly, and that is he wants to see this group have some continuity and grow together. They have not had a lot of it. They will not have probably a lot of it because of the Alonzo Ball situation this season. But, um, you know, a lot can happen between now and February 9th. 
obviously, hypothetically speaking here, a 10-game losing streak would certainly change, you know, possible some long-term thinking. But as of right now, I I see um, I see Zach Levine, you know, probably drawing some interest. So you never say never, but I'd be surprised if the Bulls move off of him. You know, with that in mind, you touch on the continuity that Arturis talks about, but, you know, I think a big part of that, Lonzo Ball, it's a big question mark. And I, there certainly appears to be some uncertainty whether he is going to come back this season, if at all. Um, it seems to be the biggest mystery around the team. Um, you know, I've heard he's shot around a little bit, uh, but ultimately it just seems like they're almost operating as if they don't know if he's going to be back um, and they're going to have to play with the group that they have. Um, I mean, have you heard any update as far as Lonzo's condition and uh, if or when we can expect him back this season potentially? Yeah. Yeah. Still no, still no timeline. So that tells you all you need to know here. We're taping this on January 11th and, you know, no timeline for his return. Uh, I think Billy Donovan took the right approach uh, back in preseason and training camp where he said, we just have to basically prepare as if he's not going to be back this entire season. And that was when it was expected that he was going to be back. Um, And, you know, that, that certainly shifted um, as we got, you know, that first 68 week eval evaluation reevaluation from the late September surgery where they said, you know, they feel like they've fixed the problem, but he's still progressing slowly. We see Lonzo from a distance when we're at home game or a home practice facility. Uh, you know, he's, he is doing stationary shooting, uh, even some jump shooting, light jump shooting, but he isn't, you know, he's done some light running, a lot of stuff on the anti-gravity treadmill, pool work, that kind of stuff. But we have not gotten any indication that he's done any, you know, on court cutting, full speed running, that kind of stuff. So you are talking about a situation where you're you might be running out of runway here at some point. I I've reported, many other people have reported that Lonzo is of the mindset he, that he hopes to try to play this season. I mean, we are coming up on one full calendar year, 365 days um, for him from him not taking a, the NBA court. That's just a brutal. Uh, sentence for a guy that you know plays so selflessly about the team, impacts those around him, um, loves to play. Twenty five years old, you really feel for the kid. Um, but yeah, January fourteenth, twenty twenty two, is his last NBA action. Um, so I, I'm just you know I'm operating under the principles of B writer as uh, you know. Uh, the next headline is when we get an update that he is running and cutting uh, full speed and without setbacks, because that's always what the roadblock was. Anytime they try to ramp him up, even off that initial first surgery back in January 2022, when they thought he was going to be back at the end of last season, anytime they try to ramp him up, he would have a setback. So it's unfortunate for Lonzo and for the Bulls, uh, but that's the reality as we speak. I mean, the, to your point, and the reality is with him being out, you saw last year how Chicago kind of took a little bit of a nosedive after he and Alex Caruso got hurt. And now you look at Lonzo, like you mentioned, first of all, he's a great guy, uh, affects winning and wants to be out there. Young guy should be just starting to scratch the surface of the prime of his career, but he can't stay on the court. So with that in mind, if you're the Bulls and you know that Lonzo Ball mm, – may not be back this year and you don't know his long-term future. 
I would think you have to start to wonder about the rest of your core. And obviously I'm referring to, you know, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, and DeMar DeRozan. Now, Nikola Vucevic is going to be a free agent after the season. Um, and Chicago, as you know, certainly gave up a, a haul to acquire him from Orlando at the time. And it's interesting, you know, Casey, when I, when I talk to executives around the league, um, they think ultimately, you know, if he, of course, barring a trade, uh, he would remain with Chicago because it almost feels like they have to keep him long-term given all the assets that they gave up for him. Um, I mean, in, in theory, you know, could a team like the Lakers use him played at USC in college? Sure. There's some other potential storylines and teams that would have interest in a guy like him, but you would think all the ducks would line up where he's going to return, but we did hear his name in trade talks over the summer. So, with that all in mind, you know, we put it in a, in a nice big pot of stew here and we stir it up. What is your outlook for uh, Vooch when it comes to his future with the Bulls? Two part one at the trade deadline and two looking ahead towards free agency. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's tough because I do the same logic as you and I talk to executives from other teams just like you do. And, you know, the outside perception is given what they expended to acquire him you almost feel like they would have to, you know, try to overpay to, to maintain him in the fold to save face and to not lose an asset for nothing. But as you know, he's an unrestricted free agent. It's his choice, you know? So um, I talked to him early in the season about how he, um, you know, didn't, they didn't really even have serious talks about an extension um, last off season. And he wasn't disappointed by it. He said, he's, he said, he's, it, it's part of the business. He understood it. It actually happened the last time he was headed into unrestricted free agency. Um, maybe it was restricted free agency back then when he signed that big deal with Orlando, but that off season before that year, he told me that the magic and, and his camp and his representatives didn't have talks on a long-term extension. And then he had a monster year and signed the big deal. So he's aware it's part of the business. You know, the thinking that he derived from it is uh, or what the, the logic that he pulled from them not extending or having entertaining extension talks last off season is that they want to management wanted to keep their options open as they move to the deadline. But then like you, I come to the deadline and say, okay, what, what team is going to give up significant assets for a guy that they can go get, you know, just with cap space or, or money or even sign and trade, you know, this summer. Um, so it's a, it's a difficult future to predict. Um, tying it back to Lonzo Ball and what you said, I do that same logic too. I know the executives I talk to from other teams do that same logic. If you can't count on that guy, how are you going to get continuity? So shouldn't you try to start breaking up the core? Um, as you know, Arturis Karnaschovas holds his cards very close to the vest. Um, I don't know what he's going to do between now and February 9th. What I do know is that the indications I've received in my uh, attempt to glean insight and intel is that he is committed to the continuity concept still, but it's a, it's an iffy uh, it's an iffy concept because of you know the uncertainty with Lonzo Ball's knee not only this season but as you mentioned long term so a lot of balls in the air as you said a big pot of stew you know we haven't even got to Demar Rosen who to me is their by far most significant trade asset who would bring back the most return. Um, so, yeah, a lot of other teams, as you know, are eyeing the Bulls between now and February 9th. There's no doubt about that. 
And, you know, it's interesting. You touch on DeMar, but, I mean, he's been their most consistent player, a guy that has elevated his game uh, with Chicago. Um, and given his age and contract, has, has been outstanding for the Bulls. I, I really don't see them uh, moving him, to be honest with you. Uh, what say you, my friend? I, I mean, I as I've said to all three of these guys, I, I – at this, as as of this talk right now, I'd be surprised if they move any of their big three. Uh, but to me, if you do decide to break up this core, and I wrote this for NBCSportsChicago.com about three weeks ago, a month ago, where I ranked like their trade assets. That's back when the Bulls were really scuffling. They obviously have started to play a little bit better here of late. Um, I, I ranked him as is their most significant trade asset by far. Um, and here's the other thing to remember about Demar: he's extension eligible this summer. Now. You don't have to extend him. He's guaranteed through next year, but you can bet that he's going to be looking to be extended this summer because he's playing out of his, out of this world. I mean, he's headed towards, you know, almost certainly another all-star selection. He's on in the conversation for another all NBA selection. Um, so you're, you're also going to be balancing, you know, that this summer. And, you know, what is the, what is the ceiling for this core? These are the hard questions that management has to ask itself. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised, but to me, if you do make up, make up the core from my seat and I'm terrible at the GM thing, um, but from my seat, I, I, I think you would be probably best to move tomorrow. And that, that's nothing personal. I, he's phenomenal to cover. Great guy, fun to watch, great player. I just think he'd bring back the most return. So if you are going to move to that line of thinking, I think that would be probably the most prudent move for, for the Bulls. You know, it's interesting. You question yourself as a GM. You should see the uh, NBA Twitter executives that I get anytime I report anything. My my at mentions are flooded phenomenally uh, with with trade machine graphics, and it's it's pretty spectacular. So I can only imagine for you as well with Chicago and those guys. But we talk about you know all these star guys that they have that could get traded but equally i think there's an interest in and and an intrigue around the league on two other guys patrick williams and alex caruso now um from what i've heard from executives pat patrick williams and alex caruso are not for sale right now in chicago i know it's been a theme as we've touched on here on the pod but um i thought one thing was interesting about uh Pat Williams that I heard from an executive, the executive uh, told Hoopsype, in my opinion, they've held on to Pat Williams too long and devalued him. If they want to shake up their team and get a decent return, they can get that on Alex Caruso. Uh, what do you think of that as you gauge kind of Pat Williams's uh, trajectory and, and Caruso, who's been a solid role player previously for the Lakers now for the Bulls? I mean, Pat, the former fourth overall pick, guy that's been injured before and is trying to really find his way as to what he's going to be in this league at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, I would probably agree with that assessment. Um, and not even like they, they devalued Pat because I, I I would probably question whether how much value he had. I know there was some, you know, buzz about him being in some Gobert talks. That was really never the case. And um, at least to my understanding, um, but, you know, they valued him highly now. I think this season has been – he's definitely shown some signs of growth, but I think it's been a little underwhelming to this point. Um, you know, the the thing I would say from a Bulls perspective regarding Patrick Williams is, 
there are some cautionary tales out there. And as you know, Michael, I mean, like there's so much about this league is fit and opportunity and things like that. I mean, but Bulls gave up on a guy in Lowry Markkinen who now on his third team, you know, is headed towards a potential first all-star selection and is playing, you know, otherworldly basketball. Um, players develop at different paces. I mean, Patrick is still a very young player. Um, so I'm not, you know, saying he's, he's done. You got to be careful in terms of, you know, uh, his development path. Um, but I don't see much trade value for him this season. I completely agree that Caruso would bring back a nice haul. He, to me, you know, you look at, I mean, he fits to me any roster. I mean, that's the kind of player he is, but you know, a team like Golden State, a uh, team like the Knicks, um, you know, those are certainly teams I could see come calling. Uh, like you, I don't think he's being, I mean, when, you, when we say being made available, I mean, all teams talk, as you know, all the time about potential, you know, preliminary structures of deals and things like that. So I'm sure Alex's name has come up in phone calls. But as I keep saying, when you, we check off each player, uh, I don't get the sense you know, we haven't even talked about the Bulls maybe trying to add at the trade deadline. I mean, that that to me is probably a little bit more likely than them, you know, selling off. I think them they could potentially be buyers more than sellers, but we'll see how these next few weeks play out. But yeah, Caruso would be tradable to virtually any team and, and get you, I would certainly think, at least the first round pick and a and a player. So um he he's he's a he's one of those plug and play guys for any rotation in the league. Now that now that's interesting that they could be potential buyers, and that's another thing. Still trying to identify who's a buyer and a seller right now has been, I feel like, tougher than it's been in a long time. You know, sure. with For the sure. Eastern Conference standings. I mean, my goodness, this has got to be. I think, in a way, Adam Silver's dream that everybody's so competitive that uh, there's there's such parity, but it's almost like too much at this point. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, Casey, you know, you keep this one under your hat, but Pat Williams to me reminds me of J.J. Hickson, and I'll explain. J.J. Hickson was the type of guy that the Cleveland Cavaliers once did not put in trade talks for Amari Stoudemire, okay? And you look back years later and go, well, now how stupid was that? And I look at guys like, it's not just Pat Williams. I look at guys like him, you know, for the Knicks, it was Quentin Grimes this summer. They didn't want to part with him in the Donovan Mitchell trade talks, Okay. There's always seems to be these guys that they're either younger guys that have some upside, but are currently role players that like teams overvalue. And I've, I've never understood that. It's almost like if you think back even further than that, like the once, once upon a time, you know, I'm old enough to remember when Timothy Mozgov almost screwed up the Carmelo Anthony trade to the Knicks. You know what I mean? It's just, I've never understood that. And and your evaluation on Pat's value is interesting because you being there locally and on the inside there to the outside world, they've valued uh, to the national media. They have valued Pat Williams much more highly um, as like this big trade chip. And I, I just feel like it hasn't come to, to fruition. I, I almost felt like they would have been better selling high on him in retrospect, but interesting that you touched on the Gobert stuff and, and clarified that and that they're going to be buyers. Um, one other guy I wanted to touch on with you was, and I hope I'm getting the pronunciation right. Ayo Dusumu. Um, with him, I mean, he's gotten a chance because of Lonzo Ball's injury, even dating back to last season to really have a role with this team. Um, 
I, I spoke to a couple executives about him. He's going to be a, a free agent over the summer. Um, two different thoughts. One executive said to me, nobody will put a big sheet on him, a big offer sheet, that is. Uh, his situation reminds me of Josh Hart. He could get that type of contract or bet on himself and take the qualifying offer. Another executive I spoke to had a hilarious analogy. The executive said, unless you think Chicago won't match, why bother making an offer sheet? You have to think like Indiana did. It's like lusting after someone's wife and she's not leaving the guy. That killed me. Um, (laughs) When you think of A.O. DeSumo from what he's done this year um, in getting this opportunity with Lonzo out, what do you see for him in in his future looking ahead with the Bulls coming up on free agency? I mean, I just feel like, you know, they they uh, they stumbled into found money there with him dropping to the second round. Um, so my working assumption is they're going to do everything they can to, you know, resign him. And they obviously have the matching rights. So I, I expect Io it is pronounced Io, but you got the last name right. Io DeSumo to be bull long term. Um, I think that hard contract you mentioned is pretty close in the neighborhood of what I speculated in a mailbag recently on our website. You know, I said like a three, four-year deal in the 10 to 12 million range annually is probably something that you can get, we'll, we'll get it done for both sides. Um, I know Io loves playing in his hometown. Um, look, man, he's probably been a little bit miscast because he's been thrust into some starting roles. People have to remember he is a second-round pick, and he's also been playing a lot more point guard than I think is ideal for him. I think he's more of a combo guard. I think he's got some point guard abilities, but I think he's probably a little bit better in a combo guard role. He's not, you know, running an offense is still not a strong suit for him, but he's one of those guys who's just, whatever his ceiling is, he's going to hit it. He's inquisitive, hard worker, um, you know, a sponge uh, for coaching, uh, tough-minded, physical. um, You know, he is – uh, a rotation player to me for double digits in this, in this league. He's just a rock solid, dependable player. And I expect him to be with the bulls, you know, past this summer. Looking ahead, there's another guard on that roster who seems expendable. And his name has certainly come up as a potential trade trip. Kobe white, your thoughts on him heading into February's trade deadline, because I think certainly of all the the Bulls players, he's one of the more expendable guys given his trajectory over the past three years. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's been available. I mean, he's been involved in a lot of talks, but I mean, you know, you know, it, to to be frank about like Bulls won't just. I mean, illustrate how the Bulls just won't give him away. They they were offered, uh, you know, direct packages. One team I reported for sure was Memphis last summer. Uh, there's another one I can't recall right now. And they, you know, it, it didn't move the needle for them. So they're not just going to give them away. But when I talk about them potentially being buyers at the deadline, and I want to emphasize that's potentially, because um, we don't know how these next few weeks are going to shake out and we don't know what management is, is thinking. But yeah, he would be, he would be one of those pieces where you, you know, try to get him in a package or, uh, see what you can. I, I think individually, his trade return probably is, you know, not as not that significant. But in the right package, you know, they they do have that lottery protected Portland pick. Um, uh, you know, Vucevic. Even though I said I don't think they would move him. You know, maybe he things change there, and 
Um, but if they are buyers, I think Kobe would probably be in whatever package they send out in that buying realm. But, uh, you know, he's, uh, he, he's a rotation player to me too, in this league. I mean, he's got, I think he's grown a lot of the defensive end. Uh, I think his decision-making, he still is prone to the occasional poor turnover, but his decision-making his ball handling, both have improved significantly. He does have the ability to heat up from three in stretches. Um, I think he's a solid rotation player. Um, and we'll see how it plays out with him. But if, like I said, if the Bulls got into buying mode, I think he'd be in some kind of package there. As we kind of get ready to to wrap up, any other thoughts on the Bulls beside uh, anything new with uh, Javante Green? I mean, I saw the press release for them. He's going to be out or reevaluated in a couple of weeks and whatnot. But anything else on your mind that you're keeping tabs on with the Bulls? Well, I would just say I, I want to paint kind of the overall vibe of, you know, being in the locker room every day is, um, you know, this is a veteran team that has been through a lot. And, uh, you know, you brought me in talking about them being underwhelming uh, or underachieving. And that certainly is a national perspective. And um, I get it. Uh, they have had not only injuries, but uh, they've had some significant losses uh, that have been prominently featured in the last two minute reports. And I know other teams can say is that as well, but those are pretty high profile. I mean, the Donovan Mitchell lane violation being the biggest one. Um, so there is a intensely uh, palpable confidence emanating from this locker room that this team is starting to play better basketball, particularly with Zach Levine rounding into all-star form. And that the second half is going to be much better in the first half. And with the East as jumbled as, as it is, you know, all you got to do is get up to six and, you know, there you are. So uh, I'm not, you know, planning any uh, championship victory parades or anything like that, but uh, I just think that this team's best basketball is in front of it from a personal standpoint and from a professional standpoint, because that's the vibe I get from the the players and coaches I talk to. It's interesting that they've they've had a good record against teams that are above 500, and that was right. the complete opposite of last season. Right. So to your point, they can be dangerous heading into the playoffs as long as they get there and take care of business and stay healthy. Um, but certainly a lot to monitor your coverage as well on NBC, um, I'm with this team and just uh, both on TV and, and obviously your written work as well. But I mean, Casey, this is why I brought you on. You've, you've been around this team for a long time. You have good intel on them. And I appreciate you taking some time out to join me, brother. Enjoy your game later today in D.C. as they get ready to take the Wizards on. And uh, I'm sure we'll catch up soon, my man. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. No doubt. I also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members such as KC Johnson, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike Escato. Make sure you're following KC too. He is at KCJ Hoop. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.